0: I'm Jeff Croft with Circle C Enterprises in Palestine, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now, here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie
2: Martin. Hello, Texas. We got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're gonna take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas is once again responding to the recent listing of the lesser prairie chicken as threatened or endangered. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture from the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley.
3: A delegation of Texas Farm Bureau leaders is heading to Washington, D.C. next week to meet with lawmakers. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll bring you some thoughts from a Texas Panhandle farmer who will participate in that trip.
2: West Texas winds continue to blow at high velocities, impacting topsoil in that region just weeks before spring planting begins. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more from the South Plains on Texas Ag Today. This is James
4: Duncan in East Texas. Planting produce for farmer market, big business, weather, and livestock markets are what we're talking about in East Texas.
2: We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Texas is weighing in again on the recent federal government listing of the lesser prairie chicken as threatened or endangered. Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton recently filed a lawsuit against the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and the Department of the Interior so that Texas can protect and manage its own natural resources. It's an issue that's having a big effect on ranchers in the Texas panhandle.
5: So the lesser prairie chicken is a species that ranchers in Texas and across that sort of southern Great Plains region have been working to conserve for you know, more than a decade now. And folks you know have sunk a lot of time and money into these voluntary conservation efforts to preserve uh, you know habitat for the species and, and to support stronger population numbers.
2: That's Sigrid Johannes, the Associate Director of Government Affairs and Federal Lands for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association.
5: I think it's really a shame that you're getting this slap in the face from Fish and Wildlife saying that those efforts are not enough and that they want to impose this top-down approach from the federal government. But, you know, this is a species that's very susceptible to changes in precipitation. We tend to see a drop in numbers when there's severe drought, as we've had for the past few years in that part of the country. And also, you know, they're a species that gravitates towards rangelands. You don't tend to find them in cropland. You don't tend to find them in some of those, you know, more urban sprawl or developing areas. You tend to find them out where cattle are grazing. You find them in rangeland ecosystems. And there's uh, no science to back up the fact that, you know, the, or the assumption that they can't uh, coexist with cattle grazing in those areas. Attorney
2: General Paxton is saying the federal government broke several laws by issuing the listing, including the Endangered Species Act, the Administrative Procedure Act, and the National Environmental Policy Act, each of which requires the federal government to extensively consider numerous factors before changes to listings are made. The Texas Soybean Board, which manages the state's soybean checkoff, is seeking nominees to represent the Lone Star State on the United Soybean Board. The deadline for nominations is this Friday, April 14th. Soybean producers within Texas who own or share the ownership and risk of loss of soybean production are eligible for nomination. The Secretary of Agriculture will select the individuals from the nomination submitted. The American Lamb Board is promoting its sustainability message through a new grazing video. The Lamb Board is set to release that new video this month featuring the benefits of sheep grazing. The video features American sheep producers across the U.S. using sheep to enhance landscapes, improve habitat, support wildfire prevention, and even help other industries to be more sustainable as sheep offer a natural weed control around vineyards and solar operations. A delegation of Texas farmers and ranchers is headed to Washington, D.C. next week to meet with lawmakers. James Hunt talks with one Texas Panhandle farmer who will participate in that trip.
3: Today, we're going back to my recent conversation with Jared Blankenship, who farms south of Adrian. Blankenship is headed to Washington, D.C. next week as part of a delegation of Texas Farm Bureau leaders. Certainly, the farm bill currently being debated on Capitol Hill will be among the topics during the delegation's meetings with lawmakers, and as Blankenship prepares for the trip, one thing on his mind is the need to preserve federal crop insurance. In Blankenship's opinion, those ad hoc disaster bills Congress has relied on in recent years are not a good way to go.
0: An ad hoc disaster may be paid 18 months after that disaster has occurred. And from a very pragmatic perspective, if I'm out of business by the time those disaster dollars are allocated and approved, then of what value was that safety net?
3: Also on Jared Blankenship's mind is the need to protect the farm safety net as a whole.
0: As we see our culture and our society changing and becoming more and more disconnected from their food source from from the source of their clothing and innumerable other products we just don't seem to have the same understanding of exactly how critical a safety net is for agriculture and it's not to keep me in business it's not to keep my neighbor in business but rather to maintain a safe affordable consistent food and fiber supply for our nation that at the end of the day is a matter of national security.
3: Once again, that was Jared Blankenship who farms south of Adrian. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: The West Texas winds have been relentless this year. Tom Nicoletti goes to the Texas Southern Plains to visit with a Lubbock area farmer. We go to West Texas now and Eddie Griffiths is standing by in the Lubbock area and, Eddie, the spring winds are blowing, blowing, blowing up there. Uh, fill us in on uh, that wind velocity and how that's uh, impacting the various fields as farmers wait to plant. Yeah, Tom,
6: as you mentioned, this is another day of those winds with uh, wind speeds of 45-60 miles per hour during the day. At 55 miles per hour tonight. So lots of dirt will be picking up. And I get producers are just trying to keep things tied down. There's irrigation going on, not really, like really an issue in the, uh, drip irrigation or where guys have an adequate cover crop where they've had cultivation and, and have tried to turn that ground over for whatever reason. That is definitely going to be an issue to try to keep it tied down and to keep film next to it from blowing. Eddie, how do the livestock fare in all this wind? Oh, the livestock doing all right as far as the weather is concerned. Unless you are out in a pasture, the dust is just kicking up tremendously. But for the most part, any livestock that's out on pastures right now, there's some sort of grazing. With that, that, that keeps the
2: soil tied down. Eddie, thanks for your report. Appreciate it, Tom. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. East Texas continues to deal with some tough spring weather. James Duncan has an update from Marshall.
4: In and around East Texas, Palm Sunday weekend was left in a storm. That's all I can say. And I know we talk a lot about the weather, but this led to some rough conditions and our produce crops here in the area. Many of them were beaten down. Uh, we lost many of our ornamental type trees from a heavy hailstorm. Now, for a lot of parts of Texas, a hailstorm is not anything out of the ordinary. But for us in East Texas, this was a pretty hard blow. We're not used to that. And the uh, damage was significant in most of the area. The vegetable crops, the hail beat down those young plants coming on out. But, you know, talking to the producers just uh, early this week, they're optimistic about getting crops replanted and still get in the prime marketing period for our farmer's markets. Of course, the farmer's markets associations, they're having their meetings all around getting set up for this year because they're really pushing for big time in uh, produce crops throughout the East Texas area. Some damage to the hay meadows also in talking to the hay producers. But hey, a good sunshiny period will bring those forages right back. Actually, I uh, had uh, just been in conversation with some hay producers about this and the fact that grow did need moisture in the hay meadows at this present time. It doesn't take long to dry these old sandy soils out. Uh, then we went to a livestock market, and boy, things were just really good. Producers are optimistic right now about the outlook for production of beef cattle here in the East Texas area because uh, we're rebuilding these herds now. It's a little difficult to get the high quality you're looking for without just buying someone else's complete herd, but some are getting larger, others are getting smaller. So that's just the way that it is, the way it's always been, but we really look to have a promising future in the beef cattle industry here in East Texas. Well, hope reigns eternal in the livestock production anyway. This is James Duncan reporting from East Texas for Texas Ag Today.
7: As temperatures rise, we're more likely to see snakes out and about. I'm Jessica Domal and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: And bird flu has been found in a skunk here in Texas. Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
3: As we celebrate Earth Day 2023, we know that sustainability in agriculture requires our entire value chain to invest in our planet, this year's Earth Day theme. That's why we collaborate on best practices to protect crops, reduce inputs, conserve and regenerate land, and help keep fresh water clean, all while striving to reduce the climate impact of our own operations. This message is from Syngenta, investing in agricultural innovation that helps protect our planet today and tomorrow.
1: We're keeping you informed
2: on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Highly pathogenic avian influenza has been found in a skunk here in Texas. Dr. Bob Judd says it was found in Carson County.
8: Highly pathogenic avian influenza, or HPAI, has been detected in all states across the United States except Hawaii and is highly contagious and transmits easily among domestic and wild birds. Texas Parks and Wildlife Department news indicates the virus can also spread directly between animals and indirectly through environmental contamination. For mammals, transmission occurs primarily through consumption of infected animal carcasses. Other mammalian species susceptible to HPAI include foxes, raccoons, bobcats, opossums, mountain lions, and black bears. Symptoms in these animals include ataxia, which is in coordination and stumbling, tremors, seizures, lack of fear of people, lethargy, coughing and sneezing, and death. Many of these symptoms, except for coughing and sneezing, are the same as rabies in animals. So if you see an animal with these symptoms, be aware and do not interact with the animal, but call Animal Control or the Texas Department of Wildlife. Because of the ease of transmission, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department recommends that wildlife rehabilitators also remain cautious when intaking wild animals with clinical signs of HPAI. Any of these animals should be quarantined to limit potential exposure of HPAI to other animals residing in their facility. Currently, the risk of transmission of HPAI to infected people remains low, but the public should take basic protective measures, such as gloves face mask, and hand washing if contact with a potentially infected animal cannot be avoided. I'm Dr. Bob Judd.
2: This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Springtime is here and snakes are coming out all over the state. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report.
7: Spring is officially here. Wildflowers are out. Grass is greening up in some areas, and snakes are starting to slither out of their homes in search of a place to sun. Dr. Maureen Frank, Associate Professor of Conservation Biology at Sol Ross State University, says when snakes come out in the spring depends on temperature and local conditions.
9: The temperatures that we like to be out and moving around in is similar to what snakes are going to want to move around in. Also, their environment matters. So it may be in the 60s, but there's a nice rock that's out in the sun and it's a perfect place for them to stay. Sun, And so, if you were to measure the microclimate of that rock, that temperature is going to be much warmer if you've got direct sunlight on it. They may come out and sun themselves even if they're not moving around as much. And likewise, that's what we think about as it gets to the heat of the summer, and it can be too hot to where they they're not going to be super active. So say it's the triple digits. They may not be out, they're certainly not going to be out sunning themselves because those rocks will be extremely warm. But they may be under rocks, and that's where, you you know, we remind people, never place your hands and feet somewhere that you can't see, because that's when those snakes maybe try to cool off by getting underneath something instead. But yeah, for this time of year, once they hit those nice, warm temperatures that make you want to be outside, especially as we get up into the 70s, and then always be aware of places that may be a little bit warmer and entice snakes to be out and stunning themselves.
7: There are 70 to 80 species of snakes in Texas. Only about a dozen or so of those are venomous. We'll have more with Dr. Maureen Frank on Snakes in Texas on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I am Jessica Dommel.
2: The cattle market is dealing with record territory. We'll check out all of Monday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
1: We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today.
2: We've been hearing for over a year now that we're going to see record cattle prices here in 2023, and it is finally happening. Live cattle futures very near a record while cash has topped a record. We'll start with that futures market. April live cattle up 30 cents, 171.37. That's about 55 cents or so short of hitting an all time record price. The June contract up 60 at 163.70. The August up 60 at 162.90. Feeder cattle higher on Monday. April feeders up 30 cents, $200.92. The May up 22 at 205.62, with August feeders up 40, 223 even. Cash fed cattle market. We did hit a record last week. Now, here in Texas, most of our cattle selling in that 170 range, that's four bucks higher compared to the previous week. However, those prices move higher as you move north, so the overall average last week was one hundred seventy three thirty six. That is an all-time record, breaking a record set back in twenty fourteen of one seventy one thirty eight. Boxed beef prices higher on Monday, choice up a dollar ninety six two hundred ninety two ninety four. Select up a dollar nineteen at two seventy six ninety seven. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Jody Fry, producers in Cargill, sold them in San Angelo
0: Thursday. Jody, how did the sale go?
10: Kids and yearland, strong demand for them. Called them fully steady compared to the week before. Limited number of slaughter cows and bulls on offer today. Fully steady prices on those. Not enough replacement cows on offer today to really test that market. Uh, six hundred head was the total today compared to last week's sale. Uh, better, those better quality steers, four to six hundred pounds, from one sixty all the way up to a high of near two fifty. Mostly one eighty to two twenty five. Better quality heifers, four to six. 600 pounds, 150, up to a high of 220, mostly 175, 205. Slaughter cows, average to high yielding, 73 to 93. A few of the highest-yielding slaughter cows from 94, all the way up to a high of 106. Thinner or lower-yielding type cows, just a few of those today, from 55 to 70. Slaughter bulls, averaged to high yielding, 85 to 107. Did have some of the very highest-yielding slaughter bulls from 108, all the way up to a high of 124. And not enough replacement cows to really talk about
0: Uh, Now, sales next week. What do you anticipate?
10: Yes, there will be, Larry. A lot of phone calls over the weekend. Feel free to call. We are having sheep and goat sale Tuesday. Of course, cattle sale next Thursday. There will be a lot of inquiry uh, on Monday about that sheep and goat sale. I've actually had a few calls uh, in the last day or two. Uh, Look for the market to be pretty good Uh, a couple days after Easter uh, you know, we had a better market this week, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if that land market wouldn't be just a little bit better uh, again this coming Tuesday. Uh, I would say 4000 or more uh, coming up from this viewpoint. And next Thursday, probably same type deal, somewhere between six and 700 head of cattle.
0: Tell us how to get a hold of you.
10: You bet. Office number is 325-653-3371. My mobile phone would be 234-7895.
0: Jody, thank you so much. Texas Farming and Ranching Neighbors listening here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Work. Thank you too. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today.
2: Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market. Now we're lean hogs were mixed on Monday. April hogs down seventy seven cents at seventy three thirty seven. The May contract up sixty five at eighty two eighty five. Class three milk was mixed. The April contract unchanged eighteen sixty nine a hundred weight with May milk down 16 a hundred. Cotton market put in a lower close on Monday. Not a lot of news to move the market. We close with May cotton down 75 points, 82.45. The July down 74, 82.73. New crop December cotton down 61 points at 82.63 cents. Corn and wheat seeing some double-digit gains on Monday. Corn getting support from a lower-than-expected March 1st corn stocks number. May corn up 10 and a half, 654, July up ten and three quarters at six thirty and a half, with September corn up six, five seventy and a quarter. Wheat market continuing to get support from the poor condition of the hard wheat crop across the Great Plains. Dry conditions continue. Now we did get some light rain in the Texas panhandle over the weekend, but not really enough to affect the condition of the overall crop. May Kansas City wheat up 11 and a half, 876. New crop July up twelve and a quarter, eight fifty eight and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up two and three quarters, six ninety and three quarters. In the energy markets Monday, May Natural Gas up fourteen cents at two hundred fifteen. May West Texas crude down ninety two at seventy nine seventy eight a barrel. The financial markets mixed Monday afternoon. The Dow up 100 points, 33,585. The NASDAQ down three, 12,084. The S&P up four at 4,109. That wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas Agriculture.